Hi, I'm Terrell Turner, the host of the Finance and Accounting Show. And today we have a great guest on because one of the things that businesses don't often think about is when you're growing your business, you're very excited. But once you start scaling, there are some growing pains to scaling your business. And a lot of times people never think about it until they're in the midst of it. So we have a great guest on that. He's navigating that now with the company he's with. And he's also a host of a podcast called The Numbers Game. And we're going to talk about that. So stay tuned for today's episode. So without further ado, let me welcome on my guest, Martin Vodakovic. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Terrell Vodakovic. You got it right. So many people around the world, you know, Vodakovic, Vodakovic, all sorts of things. You nailed it, my friend, Vodakovic. Thank you. Well, hey, I, I, I appreciate you being on, and I appreciate the, the tutorial you gave me so that I could pronounce it right. <laughs> Well, Ozzy, uh, like your your name being, you know, Terrell, very cool. You know, here we're going, it's Terrell, you know, so, so we, we needed to debrief just on names. So I'm happy it's worked out well, Terrell. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, I, I'm very excited to talk about the amazing things, you know, at Innovate and also, you know, the numbers game. But before we jump into, you know, the story of growth and scaling and the Numbers Game podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about your background? Well, my background is very diverse. I started as a 17-year-old as a stand-up comedian because I was very introverted. So I wanted to do something to really test myself and um, you know just have courage and read audiences and create content. And it was... Um, yeah, it certainly took me out of my shell. And um, so it was a very unique start, but it really helped me in regards to how I deal with criticism because, you know, half the audience could love you, half the audience could hate you. And that's okay because you're developing your craft. But it also gave me a lot of acumen in regards to you might have two pages of content you're writing down and the joke ends up being a couple of lines, premise, setup, punch, premise, setup, punch. And in business, that works quite effectively because you're trying to achieve a result and find the most focused and appropriate way to get to that result. So there were a lot of good lessons in that. And then, of course, I thought, you know, I'm not actually very funny. So I had to uh, had to transition into more of a corporate style world. So I joined probably one of the most boring areas, which was banking, I thought, initially. And uh, there's not much there's not anything very funny about banking Terrell. Uh, but it's uh, but it was great it was it, I dealt with businesses um, in commercial funding and I learned what good businesses were doing what poor businesses were doing so I um, I learned a lot at that time through the banking system and then from the age of 29 I started my own business uh, mortgage first built and exited that uh, then I built another business. Uh, the 500 group, uh, which was very similar, looked after commercial lending, residential lending, uh, leasing, financial planning, and exited that. So it tend to be about five, seven years 
in a business and build it up. And I, I love that. I love that portion of building up businesses. And then Innovate was already an established business. And I'd been working with the managing director, Nick Riley, and um, I was looking for the next project. And, and he was just such an authentic leader. And he developed a very good business. So for me to come in um, and help develop an existing business was really exciting because I didn't have the pain points of the startup phase of the first two years. So I could really hit the ground running. And um, and I've always been passionate about um, supporting people and bettering financial futures. I always felt the bank held the best interests of the bank. So in a mortgage broking and financial planning space, we could hold the best interest for the client and give competitiveness in the market choice and really give that really give that personalized service as if we were looking after our our own loan or our own superannuation uh based on based on our service so uh so I, I, yeah i love it I, I can't be any more enthusiastic i'm 50 now and i feel like i'm more enthused about the industry than i even was at 29 so that's a good thing if things keep feeling better <laughs> <laughs> nice i mean such a rich history of amazing experiences you know i, I want to go back to you know that it, that transition from stand-up comedy and going into like you said going into banking you know it did you know was it interesting for you to in like the interviews and the conversations to help you know the people who are interviewing you make the connection of why your skills from that were applicable in banking yeah it, and that was fascinating uh because i had that diversity of uh we owned a small grocery store when we were young as a family so uh, my dad allowed me to work the bread stand and I would actually take the profits of the bread stand. So that financial discipline at an early age, even though it's very small scale, mixed in with the comedy of understanding your client and getting to know what they respond to and what's important to them um, was really helpful. So, but the comedy transition was was very good for me because I feel like you know when people are smiling, they're listening and and. I'm not in business telling jokes, right? But what I am doing is with any challenge, when you lighten a situation up, um, you find you get to the you get to the way through the challenge more effectively. So I found by just keeping that productive optimism um, in business really helped me catapult through my career, but also in regards to how I perceive challenge. Uh, because you're always looking for the laugh in comedy in any circumstance, no matter how dire that circumstance might be. And then in business, you're always looking for the opportunity in any circumstance, whether it's in challenge or whether it's in opportunity. And I've always felt like if you can maintain your enthusiasm and your intelligence, no matter what the circumstance is, you're really, you're really ahead of the curve. And that's what I found. I found that out in retrospect. Um, but that's what was going on in the early stages of my career. And I think that, um, and that's been, and of course, having great people around me as well really helped because, you know, they downloaded a lot of information to me uh, at an early age. So I, I think it's always important to be around a diverse range of people um, that can really forward your professional career and your business career as well. Awesome. Now, one of the things you also mentioned about working in banking, you know, with commercial lending of understanding like what are good businesses, what are bad businesses? Did it surprise you when you started getting an inside look at how 
you know, some people approach the financial aspects of their business. I couldn't believe how undisciplined some businesses were because to me it was, um, I came from a theory of you create the money and then you allocate the money. So I'm not like venture capital Marty Vitakovic. It's like, you know, you generate the funds and then you, yeah, you resource through what you're able to create. But the amount of businesses that took out lending when really they were stretching their business well beyond where they should have been based on, you know, the business coming in and the sales coming in, um, that really surprised me. And, um, yeah, so financial discipline to me and understanding ratios of, you know, hitting 25% profit margin in advance and, and understanding the dynamics of what a good business was. And then you've got the human aspect of being able to plan and build that business and have a competitive edge and look after the client service side of things as well. But for me, the financial discipline was really important. And maybe that just comes out of a survival instinct um, from, you know, we always had money, we had a roof over our head, but the budgets were always tight. You know, there were some skinny Christmases, you know, in the early days. So, But I think that's useful because you're not overspending. You're really making great decisions about where you're, where you're putting those funds, uh, where you, even from an income point of view, where are you investing those money to make a great impact point in your life? You know, I think it's no different in business. Where's the biggest impact for the health of that business in that reallocation? But the great businesses always had really strong cash flows, really great plans. They had strategic plans and those strategic plans were, you know, one year, three year, five years, but also month to month with key indicators and key lead indicators to really fuel what they were trying to accomplish. So you could tell right off the bat that those were the businesses that were really, you know, that were really growing year to year. So that gave me tremendous insight. Mm -hmm. Awesome. That is, that is great to hear. I mean, because I'm curious that, you know, as you talked about, you know, building up like your business that you started, you know, after, you know, doing some of those jobs and you started a business yourself that you eventually exited, you know, what was it like, you know, and, and how many people did you have in that business once you reached the point of exiting it? Yeah, both times up to about 20 people. So, but the, the results of that business were, when you compared it to the market, we were probably doing four to five times average of what our industry was was achieving per person. So it was, so the results were, were, were far more greater than what, so I always thought it's better to do more with 20 people and keep 20 people happy than have 50 people and be industry average. And we set that out from the beginning. We knew what industry averages were and we just trained and set KPIs to do four times, five times that amount. So it was, and it became a part of the culture. And even when our team were out talking to other business owners, they go, do you realize how well we're doing? I'm going, yeah, of course I do. But but it's, uh, we wanted to set a high standard. So that way, you know, everyone could be proud of their achievements within that business. And and um, so that was, that was pretty, from a pure numbers point of view, that's how I had an overarching strategy of what we want to accomplish. And then we'd break it down into those lead indicators to achieve that. And it's, it's strange over time. It just becomes a part of the culture and the habit. And it's, um, you know, so it's, it's a great way to go about it. But you still have to obviously develop within those structures 
to ensure people are progressing. So we would obviously highlight top performers, but we would highlight people that would trend through the different barriers of growth as well, personally. So we'd always make that really important. And we'd have appreciation dinners once a quarter to celebrate improvement and top performance, because that's what we wanted to continuously um, encourage. Awesome. I'm glad you mentioned that because that was going to be one of my next questions is, you know, you know, how do you maintain and you know, how do you first create and then maintain a above a 4x the average, you know, kind of culture? Now, as people started to find out about, hey, you know, we're like four times, you know, better than the average, you know, was it interesting? You know, I guess were people more excited about what they were doing or did you have to like dig in more to remind people of the culture of like, hey, we're winning. Let's not slow down. Let's keep winning. Yeah. And I think it comes back to the person. Let's say the industry average is one million per month in settlements and our average was four million per month in settlements. The person doing one million per month are doing very different behaviours to the person doing $4 million in regards to efficiency, in regards to business development. So that's what you're training. So you might set a figure, but you're developing the person through that. And that's what they really love ultimately because they're coming out the other side as a really accomplished professional. And some go on to do, you know, five to eight times, you know. So it's it's when they get momentum and growth, there's a continuous hunger to want to grow and be better and provide an even better quality of service than, than the person that's at one million that struggles through. Um, so so it's it's almost a it's almost a underlying philosophy that we continue to grow and develop our people. And I feel like the team integration of people at different stages through their growth is paramount because they will share you know, wins, they will share challenges, they'll encourage each other. So even though there's healthy competition within the group, it's all about the client outcome at the end of the day. How are we servicing more clients? How are we giving a greater service? How are we impacting the market? But that encouragement within the group, because no one goes straight up, Terrell. It, it's, it's like everyone will have their challenges during the year. I guarantee you everyone out there, even business owners, will think twice a year, why do I do this? You know, I should just go and pick apples or something. You know, it's something where I don't have to think. Everyone goes through that a couple of times a year. Uh, but, but again, it's, it's, it's working through those moments and allowing the person to understand that through challenge comes learning and new efficiencies, new behaviours, and they come out the other side stronger. And it's really powerful. They get that real sense of gratitude for the company, but also gratitude for their own ability. And if you instill that level of confidence and you've got a strong culture of high performance, then people want to be a part of that. People want to be a part of that. And that's um, and I want to be a part of that as well, right? I, I want to be invigorated every morning when I wake up. And that's certainly, I know at Innovate, the younger people coming through inspire me just as the 45-year-olds and 50-year-olds because we're learning so much through that generation as well. And it's really dynamic and exciting. Mm -hmm. Now, you bring up an interesting point now in Innovate. I mean, you have that dynamic of new people coming into the culture. I mean, the, the business is at a point of scaling in. There are some very real growing pains that you go through with scaling. You know, can you talk about, you know, kind of what that's been like of just navigating the growth stage? Because it's not 
all rainbows and sunshine? <laughs> yeah, and and maybe it's it's a great question actually um, because first what we had to accomplish was growth. You know, so people usually systemize first, but we figure we better bring cash in the door and make sure our clients love us first, right? So step one, make sure your clients love love you and you, you're getting out and talking to more people. So with that growth, because we had two years ago, 87% growth, you know, at the time, a 15-year-old business, which was huge. And then, um, and then we had to build, and there were systems in play, but there were systems in play prior to the 87% growth, so different systems. All of a sudden, we're nearly doubling our business. Um, so then we had to become, so we've gone from that stage to them becoming the Navy SEALs and really setting up systems and structures to be able to, to, be able to scale the business. So we went all in on making sure our technology was right. We took on HubSpot. Um, we use Airtable. Uh, so the tech had to be right. Um, in regards to our strategic referral partners, the way we captured information had to be more professional as well so we could do reporting. Um, we had to work out different teams within the group. How were we going to still give that, that intimacy and culture now that the business was expanding with the number of people? So we, we made sure we had groups like Tesla and Apple and Google, all US companies, Berkshire, put them into put them into groups and we could still keep that that culture going. But yeah, it was it was a real challenge because um, with any time when you're scaling and you've got growth as the as the driver, you're you're adjusting as you go, but you then also have to revolutionize and make sure the systems are going to be in play so you can then just bring on talent at scale. So there were a few, you know, a few moments of challenge where definitely, you know, people were getting their nose out of joint because it wasn't the smaller business where we all knew each other and, uh, uh, you know, happy campers. It was now like, you know, it was, it was a small to medium business with, you know, 50 people, which was that next level up. But now having that next year, we had 37% growth in the next year, which was great coming off 87%. Uh, but now the systems are in play, the integration's happening at another level, so there's understanding of those systems because it takes about three, four months, people get comfortable with new systems as well, and now it's just adding talent and diversity of talent to what's here. And I'm sure, uh, Terrell, we'll hit, another, we'll, we'll hit another spot where we'll grow again and then um, and we'll have to reshape Again, but I feel like now it's an evolution, not a not a revolution. We've done the hard work. Nice, nice. Now, if people are wanting to know a little bit more about the business, where can they find it online? Yeah, definitely. I'm very active personally on LinkedIn. Uh, you can go to our website, www.innovate.com.au. Uh, and innovate spelled I-N-O-V-A-Y-T. Very innovative, I thought. Um, but yeah, you can catch us there. All the Numbers Game podcast as well. So yeah, reach out. I always reply to anyone on LinkedIn and always happy to support and help listeners uh, to your show, Terrell. Awesome. Awesome. Now, before we wrap up, these two things I want to cover. Um, first one is the Numbers Game podcast. So when people go to listen to the Numbers Game podcast, what should they be expecting to hear? Yeah, well, we're, we all have a sports background. Like we've all 
captain teams and we love numbers in sports. So the numbers game is really sort of kind of like how we've built our business team. So we have an accountant in there, Jason Robinson, Nick Riley, who's a financial planner and the MD of Innovate, and myself, who's director of sales, and I've got the finance background. But we take we, we look at world events, what's happening. We talk about finance, accounting, helping business owners, investors, and people in regards to personal finance. But there's there's interesting stories. We 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 try and get people enthused about numbers, even personally, because we know that financial literacy is still an issue in our country. And um, you know, we've we've had years of experience. So our whole aim is to serve more people in understanding the benefits of knowing your numbers. Awesome. I love it. Love it. Well, before we wrap up, one final question is, you know, when you think about your journey that you've been on, you think about where you are now, what's two pieces of wisdom that you would share with other business owners and business leaders? And it can be something you've already said, or it could be two new completely things. Yeah, I'll give you a couple of things there, Terrell. The, for me, the reward always follows the effort and there are no shortcuts in business. Um, I, I think people say you've got to work smarter, not harder. Sometimes I feel you've got to do both. <laughs> I, I think you need to do that initially, particularly as you're driving your business. So don't be afraid of the effort because through effort comes rewards and results. And also you learn new efficiencies that are required. So that's a big one for me. And on the... Probably on the BD front, I think it's important to understand not only a business competitive edge, for us it's diversity of capability within the group and, and services, so it's a real competitive edge here in Australia, but understanding your own personal edge as well in the market. If you're a salesperson, what do you bring to the table that's unique to your role that you can get out there? And you need to... Don't keep yourself a secret. I think people aren't going to guess what you're going to do in this day and age with social media and networking. Um, be focused and targeted in your networking, but don't be afraid to build awareness because I always say to our sales team, no one is going to guess how good you are. Just be, Even when you do a deal for someone, you still have to be able to be comfortable to ask for that next opportunity uh, based off what you do and to build awareness in your own, own portfolio as well. So they're probably the two pieces of advice that have really served myself and the businesses and the teams that I've, I've been a part of. Awesome. I love it. Well, Martin, thank you so much for being an amazing guest on the show today. It was a pleasure to have you. Uh, thank you, Terrell. Real honor. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Finance and Accounting Show. If you like what you heard, don't be selfish. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and then share this with a friend because you know a business owner that could definitely use this insight. So be sure to hit that subscribe button, share it with a friend, and turn on the notification bell so you get all the updates when we release a new episode.